Welcome to the Craft Imperial Podcast, a weekly podcast about cigars, whiskey, and all the banter you could possibly want. You'll join your host, the Bourbon Cowboy, the Viking, as each week we get into different cigars, different whiskeys, budget, hard to find, unicorn, you name it. The rabbit holes we're going to go down, insights, opinions, conversation, new releases from Craft Impero, and anything else we can seem to let fall of our mouths that week. You guys enjoy this episode. Mahalo. All right, all right. Aloha, guys. Welcome back to the Craft Grill Podcast. This is the Viking. I'm here with the Bourbon Cowboy. He's currently in artistic photograph mode. So Yeah, that's well, all right. <laughs> I'm just trying thing. to stamp a few shots so we can get into our shit. Yeah, so we are back here uh, for the second time, and we're not leaving any Juarez hats tonight. Okay? That's right. I didn't leave any hats. We're here at Wente's. And I ain't leaving uh, my Chiefs hat either. <laughs> Wente's here at Chesterfield, Missouri. We're out on the back patio that's covered with heat. Um, we got a good kind of mixture of music in the back. So we're going to jump in. Um, we're going to fire up the uh, 21 Mil Dias Escogidos, which is the first limited edition size it did in 21, which I think is the best. So it never fails. Well, we do. We are just right next to an airport. airport. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Now, we got, like, chainsaws start the going, then we know it's off on the That's true. So this is the Mil Dias Escogidos uh, from 21. This, I think, is the best size and rendition of the Mil Dias period that was done. And this is the cigar that kind of started this big eruption this year when all the top 25s came out. That This cigar in this size did not make the top 10 anymore. Why Which, is that? That's crazy. I don't know. Because they don't buy ads and shit like that, so they won't. But... Yeah, hi, right, Bourbon Cowboy. Say what's up, man. Well, I'll listen. Let these guys know what so, you're, you're doing there. <laughs> you know our stick and whatever. Um, we, I brought two bottles with me that you'll see pictures that we'll put up at the end. Um, a Midwinter Night's Dram, which I don't think we've had on in some time now. Very I, first episode. No shit. We had a bottle of it. Very first episode. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So... I didn't know that. So I've been trying to get this year's, and it's been a struggle. And then I pulled for uh, Mark's birthday. I pulled out the first one I ever got was at 17. Maybe the first that ever came out, 16 or 17. I think it was 17. Anyway, we we had some drinks off of that and finished it off, and it was amazing. And then um, you know I have regular little bourbon events that I go to with some of the guys. Um, and he offered me the new one, a Midwinter's Night's Dram. And what's the uh, act and scene on that one? Act nine, scene five. Sweet. Yeah, we had the cowboy saying we had some of that. Sorry, there's a dude that keeps coming out here, and he is token hard. This whole damn patio oh, yeah. smells like weed. Yeah, the whole patio. Hell, oh, maybe I'm it's getting crazy. a little buzzy. Jesus. But then he also brought. And by the way, the guy I'm talking about is Paul Casamaticus. We're going to have him on the show here. I just want the right show uh, to exploit (laughs) everything about him because he knows a lot about the bourbon industry. That'd be a good video one, too, so he can show what he does with the bottles. Yeah, yeah. and what he does also is he cuts one of his side hustles. He he cuts uh, bottles and makes candles out of them and uh, extremely good at it. So 
but one of the bottles that uh, I said, hey man, I'd really like to put this on the uh, podcast is this Clyde Mays, uh, old Kentucky bourbon, aged 15 years, uh, Kentucky straight, non-chilled filtered, small batch, 112 proof, and of course we always have a lot of bottles there, and I tried this, and it was just one that really stood out for me, and um, it's like cigars, it's like bourbon, a lot of them are good these days, but then all of a sudden there's one that really stands out, and now it comes to the point we're telling you where the hell this is from and who maybe the juice is and i don't know and i believe in my conversation with him he doesn't know either so we are going to continue to try to find out who does the juice but i guarantee you it's right there in bardstown somebody in bardstown's making this it's absolutely um, fantastic but anyway Let's get into it and cheers and get into our day. We are at... Cheers, bud. Whoa, that nose is weird. That nose hits like a maker's mark and finishes like a... Like a... a um, Weller. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, I think it's really unique. It's got a couple different, the nose on it's good, the middle's good, the down is good. The 112 proof doesn't seem to be an issue. Now I say that for me and you, because we're used to. Well, yeah, no, you know what the you know what the proof on that is like? The proof on that's like a cast strength McCallum. Like a Highland Scotch that's over 100. It's, a, it's not like a, a regular heat, it's like a, a fruity heat. Like, we had a hot tamale, but it was cherry-flavored instead of cinnamon, Yeah, there you know? is some heat in there. Like that, but that's really cool. That's got a lot of immediate oak in it. And it's kind of cold. You know, the bottle's kind of cold. We talked about that before. It yeah, we the are. Is, There's not a little more yet. It's, it's not bad in here, um, though. But the thing that I loved about it was it's a little different. It's like I could take one part of this or and say it's this. But then what's weird is there's another part of, of the pour who reminds me of something else, and it's a combination of like, and right, it's it's from one distiller, I'm sure. Uh, oh yeah, but, it's not blended across the board, but no. I see what you're saying. It's it's really, really hard to, to take. Who's the master distiller on that? What's that signature down there? Um, Clyde Mays. Clyde Mays, okay. Yeah. So who the fuck is Clyde Mays? Oh, wait a minute here. It says approved for public release, Clyde Clyde Mays. Uh, follow this original recipe. It's still age filtered. Clyde Mays, as authentic, the Alabama style. Alabama style whiskey. Does it say that on there? No. Right, let me look for that one. It says actually Cutnich Ridge Distillery. 1946 to 2001 is when, and maybe, and Clyde Mays has probably been brought back. But Clyde Mays, isn't that a big brand that's through um, Total Wine and uh, Total Wine and more? I've seen Clyde Hayes there forever. 
Well, so the Clyde Maze bottles is Maze, right? Yeah. The bottles I'm looking at, that's the oldest year bottle I can find. How many, how many years is that? 13 rye, and it says Alabama-style whiskey on it. Yeah. So maybe that's something a little different than well, this. Hang on, let me, let me just do the 15 years. Kentucky straight bourbon. So anyway, they have gotten this through somebody there in Bardstown, is my thought. And we'll keep looking out for them. But anyway, so while we're sitting here talking about that, I'm going to go ahead and cut and get my little uh, Mia's freaking roll in here. Yeah, I'm really excited about doing this, and we wanted to jump in. I think these released around, uh, man, I want to say it was like June or July last year. I guess I could just go back and check, because we did smoke them. We didn't smoke them on the podcast, but we did smoke them. This size. The, the Escoguitos, yeah, we didn't do this size. Um, but this thing is fantastic. This, to me, is a, basic, a, a classical Churchill, I think. Um, we're looking at like seven inches by... Or it may actually be six and three quarter by. Well, that's about that's seven inches, maybe. I don't know. But don't you think this is about the same length of the uh, Winthrop or whatever size of the Cyclops we were looking at uh, last week? Winthrop. I know. I just pulled that out of my ass. We <laughs> called the, the Winthrop. Right, right. Yeah, it's about this seven. Is a little. This is a it's little wide. Seven and it's a fifty. Yeah. I remember this size, Clint Eastwood, and I always thought they were Corona size, but he had, because, you know, he'd always have them in his pocket and you'd see about two inches sticking up out of his pocket. Now we got an array of music going on today, guys, so I'm gonna try and get that turned down when one of the girls come out, but. Well, I was beginning to tell you guys where we are, but we are at Winty's. We've been here before outdoors. We're in a tent today. Nothing but blue skies. Of course, we can't see nothing but white tent right now. This is true. But we're in with a couple of nice heaters. It's hard for us to find something different uh, this time of year, especially when it starts out at five in the morning. And um, but anyway, we're at Winty's. They always treat us nice. They got a fabulous patio and tent for the uh, persecuted smokers over the uh, the winter months. And though, although it hasn't been that bad, I don't really felt like winter hit till January. No, we got, a, we got two, 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 two days here that are gonna be, you know, I mean, we're talking lows and single digits, reef, real feel below zero, and I think the high today is like 26 or something, so. I'm really interested in how this is gonna pair too because I'm already loving this Diaz. Uh, it's bringing back memories from like. So we'll wait. Uh, yeah. But this, this, you know, we're only we're only like a, I don't know, maybe an eighth of an inch into the cigar, but that light does something really interesting to that whiskey. It changed. Like I'm trying to think. There's there's a whiskey this reminds me of. Headstrong, and I, I got it in my mind. I just can't name the fucking bottle. I get that. Too. I can see the picture of the bottle. I just can't get the name on it. Damn it! I think it's it's, it's got to be makers like one one hundred and one or one hundred or 
The stave, no, it's the stave collection stuff we're making. That's what I'm getting here. The private select yes, stuff? Yes, that stuff. Where the there's oak and wood, but it's not just a definitive oak. You know, it's but not it's, just a barrel. But then there's some caramel, some yeah, honey. Yeah, definitely caramel, honey, And oaky. on the spice, it's still more, like, I'm going to stick to that. Like, think of a hot tamale, but instead of cinnamon, cherry or strawberry. But then the cigar, right off the bat, it's almost like a, a flower. Like, you know when you smell roses and they kind of stink, but then you pull them away and they smell musty and you get that good sense? That's what it does to the whiskey. It almost like a, a, a dollop of gin hits the whiskey. That's the taste. This uh, bourbon, it has a fruit flavor to it. In there hidden with the uh, the honey and the, uh, the caramel and the, the wood. And um, I was thinking, to try to pull something out of my ass, maybe like an apricot. There it is. You know? There it is. Yeah. Well, it's just because you said it now. Yeah. But I could be totally wrong. Because you know how this shit is. You just kind of taste it and, but um, I thought it was pretty unique. I mean, do we get these flavors and, and this um, proof in other bourbons? Yes. But it's all, you could you could have everything the same, but it's kind of how it hits your mouth, yeah, and how it goes through the process cool. of you checking it out. That this one just seemed unique to me. Yeah, and then it's also a way in the bottle, right? Now this may make sense, may not. It's much like a cigar, right? You can have three cigars that have the entirely same blend, right? But what rolling technique was used? What bunching technique was used? And what side of the leaf was used, right? You'll create the same you'll have the same flavors and strengths but they're going to hit at different points right so could that be the same thing for if this bottle reminds us of something else or whoever makes this makes one of the things we're thinking about could that fucking mean that maybe when this bottle or this barrel was pulled and bottled it was laying on its uh, left side down, the other one's on its right side down so they hit a little differently yeah you know because we've always talked about Rick house right Things that are up higher typically have more heat. Things that are lower typically sweeter because they stay colder or vice versa, whichever that is. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how this pairs out. And it really doesn't give us a definitive breakdown on what's in here. Um, I think it's probably, if I was a guessing man, a pretty balanced of um, some corn and... Um, a little bit of rye and wheat would be my guess. Uh, Play in the bill on it? In the mash bill? Yeah. yeah. Because I I, I'm not getting overpowering of anything, right? It's like kind of pretty in there. But the other thing about this, and I've never, ever, this has never popped in my head about the density of when it hits my tongue. Like, like a cigar, when you smoke it, how when you bring that smoke in, the smoke seems very light and not very complicated, and then you smoke a cigar, and when you bring that smoke in, you can just feel a heavier layer the of- The body changes. Right. Yeah. And I guess you'd call that body. That's body versus strength, yeah. Right. So there's some cigars that, you know, it's like you're sucking straw. There's so much air coming in, and there's not a lot of body, I guess that's, or weight, whatever, but this is like this too. I can tell there's just a lot of body in this, uh, which 
15 years, you would think something's going on. Time. And is it a single barrel? Good question. I think I said that. Just curious. You may have. I may not have been paying attention. It says small batch. Okay, so it's blended. But still, yeah. that's good. So it means the oldest liquid in there is 15 years old. Yeah. Because in reality, 15 years, I mean, anything past. Although it's weird how, you know, the bottle and bond for Heaven Hill still can produce a bottle and bond that really tastes good, right? Right. Once you get past, I've always heard the well, guy. Heaven, Heaven Hill at what, 16? The master the guys say the sweet spots are usually around 8, 9, 10. Sure. There. And now you put out a 16 that everybody wants like it's crazy? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting though, because everything's gonna constantly change. We know that, you know? So if the sweet spot used to be seven, eight, nine, fucking a bottle and a bond, the sweet spot might now be 17, 18, 19. You know, who knows? Yeah. You know? If you start taking us, and I know this, this is gonna irritate a lot of people, but a scotch method to it, right? So there's a reason that you have a 18 year, then you have a 25, then you have a 30, then you have a 40, and it's about as old as bottling age gets, right? The reason you don't have a 19 or a 21 or 23 or a 23 Van Winkle. or a 27 or because at those years, yeah, they don't work. Yeah. But a little bit more time, a little this and that, changing, doing what you can to alter the environment in which they stay, go nuts. You know, and that transcends into cigars too. You know, now, now, if you want specific effect into a cigar, you're starting to see more and more companies will actually bind a bunch and bind the cigar and leave them in a press and then throw them in the agent. Then pull them out, throw the, the wrapper on them, put them back in, label them, box them, and ship them. Right? Yeah. Takes more time. You know, you're not getting the product out as fast as you want to, but that's going to create that com that slower combustion or whatever flavor profile you're trying to go for. And it might even like let the spice settle in more as it goes through. Wow, a lot to think about. That's for sure, I'm sure. But <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about this pairing knowing everything I know about that cigar, and then um, this. Uh, and I don't know, man, it's just interesting and it's fun because, you know, we taste a lot of bourbons, we taste a lot of cigars, and uh, this one kind of stood out for me, not even to mention uh, Winter's Tram, so I, that is, we're even discussing that. We can't yet. mention that, we're not there right. yet. Yeah, no, 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 but I'm just saying this one, I've heard about this and I have tasted it. I thought it was good. And uh, what was the other one that I tasted the other night that you had brought up, you knew about, it, and you've tasted it? That I said probably the juice is from Willet. Uh, Banglers or Binglers or something like that. It's like Michener's. Bomberger's. Oh, Bomberger's. Yeah. I've never. That's Michter's. That's Michter's like Van Winkle collection bottle. Oh, wow. That yeah. was like off the radar for me. I didn't oh, know. It's, it's a semi. Well, semi semi annual release. It used to come once every other year. I think that's the first Bomberger's to drop since 19. And it dropped in November of 
November, October, November of 20. It was, it was definitely good, definitely smooth. I, I enjoyed that too. Yeah. Um, but you can't get it all. I just, I did a, you know, immediate nerd, knee jerk reaction and, and I got this. No, it's, it's really good, but that, that again, you know, again, that level where midwinter steps, we'll save this when we get to that because I'm, I'm talking about other shit right now. But I'll come back around to it. But that's one of the things that gets me about, like, I understand the attraction, the allure, the want, the need for Van Winkle. But I'm like, dude, just drink other Sazerac products. I promise you will be, you're going to find shit. Like, the thing that I've always hated about Van Winkle is the disappointed look on someone's face when they go through them. Right, because they're gonna you're gonna have a favorite, right? Thirteen year family rye, I think yeah, it's an amazing. Because the buildup is so freaking huge. Yeah, and then you look when you get the twenty three Van Winkle. I know you've had it. That thing tastes like melted licorice to me. It is sweet yeah. as can be. It's almost it, it's almost like if you've ever eaten a lot of sugar, or if you had like really sugary Kool Aid. That's the best way I could put it. You kind of feel like there's shit running around on your teeth. That's what it does. And I'm like, well, shit. If you want to get into that, hit some Antique One Hundred Seven. But you're still going to get the oak. You're still going to get all of that. You know, get into a 13-year Eagle Rare. If yeah. you can find 17, drink a 17 Eagle Rare. It's not like I would pass up a decent price on some Winkle stuff. But it's not like, it doesn't have the allure for me anymore because they've made it so hard and so difficult and so overpriced to get. And there's so many other bourbons in the meantime to enjoy that are probably as good, if not much better, than, than all the hoopla about that. Um, but I do have some of them. Um, even the antique line. Um, the limited time I've spent on that, it's just, it's kind of like, okay, eh, you know. William LaRue is probably what I've had the most of, and I think it's really good. William LaRue is fantastic. Hey, I think, look, Stag Jr., man. George T. Stag, everybody, including most of the guys I hang out, like Junior better. Jun oh, thank you. Yeah, I think Junior is better. Right. Junior, George, Stag Jr. is, is that's one of my want need. If I could just have cases of that, I'd, I'd love life. You know, like that, that's a fantastic bottle. And that's one for me, even in my five years of bourbon drinking, that's a bottle I remember. I used to go to Total Wine and buy three at a time for 60, 70 bucks. You know, that was less than four years ago. You know, it, or, or, or if you walked into a store and it was allocated, you could be like, hey, can you get me one next week? You know, even when I started really kind of putting stuff away about five, six years ago, even then it seemed like Seg Jr. was out there, but yeah, I guess it was. I was going to say it wasn't that easy. If you knew where to go, you could find them. Yeah. Actually, it didn't have the the allure. I saw a really funny post the other day. Well, I don't think anybody it, really realized how bad allocation was going to be at that point. Well, I don't think anybody... You see, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't predict social media. You couldn't predict what it would do. That's right? a good point. So the big, the biggest thing, and fuck cigars too. We can even get into when, when the the um, forging of Davidoff and Padron began, when groups became a thing on Facebook, and you could get people together. And once they opened that trade thing, where you could privately list your addresses and stuff, and text each other and message each other, well, then you start having product go all over the place. 
Well, if you're a guy that knows you can make money on soliciting product to someone you never have to see in person, ooh, well, as long as it looks close enough, what do they say? If it, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Yeah. Right? You can get that close. You can make it happen. You know, but I saw this picture the other day. A guy showed me, and it was a guy holding a, a Macanudo Courthouse Hampton next to a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue Label on a top shelf like this. Below it on the bottom shelf was 18-year McAllen, 25-year McAllen, Pappy 10, 12, 15, 20, 23, and the old Special Reserve Weller bottle. The bottom shelf. Picture yeah. was 14 years old. I know guys that have collections that are in the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And their pappy has pappy hasn't even made the shelf. Oh yeah, it's sitting on the floor. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I, I would like to floor. I'd like to walk through there <laughs> and see why pappy's on the floor. Yeah, I gotta see. Now what's, that's a story I heard, right? I don't. What's I, hovering in there? If it's worth that much money, the pappy when you're when you're allocating dollar cost, pappy is there. That would be that would be like saying I got a hundred thousand dollars in cigars and Padron Anniversarios are on the bottom shelf. Well, I'm talking about a guy who probably spent a half a million dollars just building his uh, bourbon locker. You know what I'm saying? Who so, did that? Just some. You know who I think who told me that was one of the McAuliffe guys when we were uh, had them one night to uh, ourselves. Oh, oh, that's the um. No, that's no shit. That's not bullshit. That is, uh... Well, I don't... Hold on now. I don't typically put bullshit on the air. No, no, that's actually <laughs> true. Like, um... Oh, my well, God. Well, what, what do you think I'm telling It's bullshit? the liquor store in Columbia. Columbia... Where's Mizzou? It's by Mizzou. No. Yes. Yes, it is. He's got... I'll find so out it's right an now. owner of a liquor store yeah, in yeah. Columbia. Yeah, yeah. I'll actually get you the name right now. Well... Um, but he's just, he's been in business so long, he's got all these allocations, he's got cigars and shit too. And like when he doesn't sell them, he was just putting them in the basement. And so like you'll walk through there and you'll see vintage, like like the old Fitzgerald body had, yeah. just chilling. And he's like, uh, how much? You know, it's crazy. But I thought the, the other thing was he was impressed by the containers, the stock yeah, and everything. Can we turn that down a little? Uh, the music? Yeah, thank you. The, uh, what he built to hold all of his uh, collection was singly almost as impressive as what he had in it. Yeah, I mean. Well, we'll find out about that. Yeah, we'll find that out. Well, I'm loving this cigar. Yeah, this is. And again, I've said this before. I know the Mill Diaz holds a very special place in our hearts now. Now it does, right? Yeah. Right. I can still taste all those individual little. How did we put them that day? There's like baking spices, you know, like when you when you're making bread, flour, cornmeal, that kind of thing. There's a really, really unique, I say, gin taste to it. Now I'm, ta I'm not talking. You know, gin's like spicy, but all the all the botanicals you get out of it, right? That's all there. But in this size, it's all elongated. 
it's like a fuse. It's taking longer to get to the pot. I know what you're saying, but you know what? For me now, I mean, when I'm smoking these cigars, I, I told it to you earlier when I did that um, that size of the uh, Cyclops. I'm learning that most of what I'm trying to find in that cigar comes out of that retrohale. Because in this retrohale is super unique uh, of like the burst of, um, for lack of me coming up with something better, your botanicals that come out of there. I especially remember the Costa Rica. The Costa Rica tobacco. The, the tobacco that's in here from Costa Rica. I, re I really remember that in the uh, retrohale of this cigar. Yeah, and that's the, always, I don't want to beat that dead horse again, but that, that fucking experience is out of this world, man. To be able to sit with a master, a blender and roller. Oh, I think Luciano's one of the best blenders, okay? I, I won't throw that term master out because everybody gets fucking mad at it. I don't, you know, but but he's a, he's a master mind, let's do that. He's like an evil genius when it comes to tobacco. But to take all of that and bring fresh leaf and roll the each individual three parts of the cigar, wrapper, binder, filler, uh, no matter what combination you had to use to do them, damn it, man. If, if you can do that, that would be insane, you know? I mean, I even tried to do it when we were in Key West. There was a guy, you know, doing the fresh rolls. I'm like, hey, can you just roll, you know, can you break it down for me? They wouldn't do it, you know? But, you know what's weird about me is, um, so I try all these cigars, and like, especially from him, I'm coming to find out that, you know, through the years I'm learning more about everything, which is fantastic, I love it. From him, you mean Luciano? From him and you, and, and you know, the people we're spending time with and that, but like, like all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm really loving that Juarez. And then to find out why I'm liking that Warris, because sometimes when you like something, um, you you may not really know uh, what it is you're liking about it until you get more in depth with somebody like Luciano and find out how that came about and whatever. And it's like the uh, the, the Fiat Lux. I really love that cigar too. And there's just something about that cigar that's such a, and I don't even want to say mild, but there's such a, 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 a very easy, full-flavored cigar that I really enjoy smoking. And then to find out about that cigar. And um, it's kind of like why you think something is in something and then you find out about it and you're like, oh, that's why I thought that. You know, it's always nice to all these thoughts that you have and you don't know why you're having them and then find out, oh, well, that's why I was thinking that. It's kind of cool. Well, it's, yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. You know, it's like when we talked with uh, Joe from Jono's last week, um, you know, he clarified with his extensive food background, he clarified the white pepper thing, right? That we were able to take in and we joked about tasting notes and all that. But when you finally put a, a definitive term to something or you you put an understanding to something that you've known you've known it but you couldn't articulate it or you could you just couldn't express it 
That's what I meant. You know, like you couldn't do that, and then to finally get it, and you're like, oh hell yeah, I got it. It's, it's like you know you. You got your first A. Like, I'm in. Yeah, fuck yeah. Got I was it. definitely thinking about him this weekend because I, I, I uh, made white chicken chili for the first time, which I've been, it's been on my radar for a long time. White chicken chili is dope, baby. So I, yeah. uh, you uh, crock bought it? No, I, I made it. I'll give you some. Okay. You right. can rate it. You can I made some it. mistakes, but that's okay. It was my first time. But I was looking for that damn white pepper. Couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> like, where is there like Not a, a special. <laughs> He said that it's not a thing. What do you mean? What he was saying is white peppers finely ground, like peppercorns, ground peppercorns. Yeah. That's white pepper. Black pepper is like coarse black pepper. So the white pepper is from the peppercorn? Yeah. That, that, that tasting note that like, cause that's what I said to him. I was like, you know, so when you get like a spicy citrus, he goes, yeah, because when you have white peppercorns and black peppercorns and you grind them, White peppercorn has a unique sweetness to it. Oh, and I it thought there was a separate white pepper. No, no, no. It's just little peppercorn draws. Are you sure about that? I think. I don't know. Okay, well. You want to, you want to call he's going to be listening, so we'll call? find out for I sure. I text him and find out. Yeah. And I'm like, look at this, babe. I can't find any white should we, peppercorn. Should we put him on the podcast or call? Oh, no, it's, I'm sorry. And I, most, I misspoke there, too. Not white peppercorn, just white pepper. White pepper. Anyway, I made this, and surprisingly, it came out pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. One yeah. thing I did want to do is overcook the beans. Because, you know, the beans can get mushy. Yeah, but, dude, you make some fire fucking beans. And my beans, I left them, um, like, at the end. The like, beans I'm have a little crunch sure, in them. Pretty sure we could start a food truck and charge $5 a half cup for your beans. Do you want a soft bean or a little something crunchy? So I left soft the beans bean. a little crunchy. It's soft bean, dude. Like over, you want it to mush to the chicken, you know, like creates uh, self-inflicted sauce. Well, listen, I there's definitely room for improvement for damn sure. I mean, hell, I, I didn't knock it out of the park by any means, but it was well, edible. And, I made uh, a my Sunday, wife and well, that's good. Groom, who was my quarterback, he was over, Fuck and he groom. loved it. Although we were absolutely hungry, so we probably wouldn't eat anything, but. For my first shot, it was pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. Go. You didn't crock pot though? Did you make all the stuff? No, I did it in just a big pot. You know? Like a Dutch oven or a... a no, just, just a, a big, big pot on the stove. Yeah. Mix it up, let it set overnight, and uh, it's gotten better every warm-up. That's the right other on. thing. You leave those beans just a tad uncooked, and then every time you warm it up, you know, the beans getting a little softer. And now it's to the point where it's yeah, just... Yeah, but that, that mad method is like, okay, I want my steak medium rare, but I'm going to eat it the whole week. So I'm going to cook it to bleeding and then just eat it up. It's going to change the taste every time and the texture of the bean every time you eat it up, right? So, bingo. Something Get different the fuck out of here. <laughs> Babe, it's not the same thing every I day. I did it's do a, a skillet meal. steak the other night, too, a ribeye. And, How dare uh, you? Well, because I don't have a grill right now. That's true. Anyway, and it came out pretty doggone good. You should good. rectify that situation. Rectify? 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 We will rectify. Re- re- that's a word? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. By the time uh, the Agua Farm opens back up this summer, we'll we'll be in full bloom. Yeah. Craft and Puro's office is coming together. We're going to throw that out there. Yeah. yeah. What the hell are you talking about? We got an office, man. It's right behind what? my bar. Yep. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just have, heard about uh, that. Like, it'll be the it'll be the quote unquote 
home podcast. Uh, and then, of course, we have Liz, our logger sponsor. Slash be bunker. Slash. <laughs> yes. Concrete and all walls. Yes. One in turn. Um, I did. I did. I did check out though. So I'm going to do something kind of cool. I didn't know I could do this. Right. And all the years that I've been telling guys how to ventilate a room and all this money you have to spend, found something really fucking unique, actually. And it only works out if you have this one thing going on. I'm going to describe these pieces in the system the wrong way. So correct me, but where that unit is, so one of the AC units is inside that room, okay? So the direct release of the airflow directs up and goes outside, yeah. right? So they make an automated fan that draws, it, it's, it's made to remove humidity, you, but you can leave it on. It draws air out of the room and pushes it outside. And you can tap right into that system because that's the push out. That entire thing with installation costs about $200. Yeah, it's called a fan in the window. <laughs> I don't have a window though, so it's yeah. tapping, but it's tapping into the actual. Right, uh, I know exactly what you're saying. That's like me from the at AC the farm. Room. What do we do at the farm? We put a damn fan in the window, especially in the winter. Hell. But the beauty of this year, we only have two months really to deal with. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. No, but that, that sounds great. Yeah, so I got the whole the whole desk is coming in, the humidor is set in place, all the craft bureau stock is inlay. I've got a labeling table, packaging. Um, we are now set up with PayPal UPS Direct, so shipment orders will just leave the mailbox and ship through UPS, uh, minimum second day air, uh, which is cool. Um, shout out to... Let me get those back. I thought I had your names in my head. I did. We sent an order out to the Carolinas, an order out to Pennsylvania, and an order out to uh, St. Louis. Customer down at Grand Crew, actually. So, right on, man. Now, can I buy sheets of Spanish cedar and 4x8s? Oh, you can. I don't know. i got to look into it. You because can. my thought was, you know, I'm remodeling the basement and beginning to get on that. And I'm thinking my under steps, you know, my little room under there, totally dialing that in. Don't, do, don't, don't line it with Spanish cedar. Line it with a, with a cedar, a regular yeah. cedar, still moisture wicking. Do the shells that are perforated with Spanish cedar. It'll save you money. I think Just for overstock, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it well, in and then move your stuff in too. So like right now, a four by eight, so <laughs> a four by eight sheet of Spanish cedar, when I looked at it two years ago, it was about $600 a sheet. Oh, well shit, no, that ain't happening. Um, you can get a four by eight sheet of cedar for, it's probably a little higher. Hang on. <laughs> How big is the sheet? Normally four by eight. I know oh, this, is much, did, this is much better. I know Weller did most of his uh, traveling. Oh, I was looking at 122 square. Okay, now here. You can get a four by eight by three quarter inch thick for 179 a sheet. Small room. Yeah. Is it even eight feet tall in there? No. You can always cut and plug six, pieces. Six feet. Just make sure that you but use from a... six feet to nothing, right? Just make sure you use a liquid epoxy with no scent. And it's got to be waterproof. Well, it's an idea. It, it's not like fruition. So anyway, yeah. 
So anyway, we are, uh, the cigar is fantastic. I'm probably, what, two inches in? Yeah, a little more than that. Yeah, three. But it is, you see what I say about this size, though? I like it. It's great. And what I was saying earlier, I'm sorry, I kind of drifted off of it. This is like a traditional, this is the same size as those 99 Cohiba Churchills, the Maduros that we smoked. That I've got like four of them left that right. we smoked before. This is that same size, same size cigar. I think this may have become my favorite size cigar, all in all. Time-wise, um, burn, burn speed or burn ratio, however you want to go at it, the combustion standard on it is fantastic. And it just tears up. It's great. Another question that just popped in my head. Uh, that yellow bottle of pack five? I killed it on that wind, dude. I know. That's what I I killed I it saying. on the wind, so you better have more. You better have more. I killed it on the wind. I meant to go check and see if I have another one. I was literally, I was in the gym working out, watching the game. And we kicked the field goal, tied it, going to overtime. Aaron's like, well, what are you doing? Honest, like, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think we were going to lose? No, not at all. Not at all. I thought we had the game in the bag. Now, when the overtime came to a coin flip, did I get, mm, mm. I was on the same thing you were. Whoever got the coin flip was taking it down the field. That was just the game. Well, we only had 30 second, 13 seconds to tie that damn game. I, I told, I'm like, man, this is going to be tough. I says, what are they going to do on the kick? When they kicked it into the end zone and we had three timeouts, I'm like, so you're saying there's a chance? Well, well she goes, well, yeah. wait, they've only got 13 seconds. I'm like, if they got three timeouts, 13 seconds is a minute and 20 seconds. I mean, you each know, throw I mean, conceivably could take three seconds. Three to six, depends. On the run, right? If it's a right. catch and run. And then you, know. you catch it, knee it up, timeout, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it went perfect. Listen, I was I was there for the uh, 28. What did uh, the Patriots come back? 28 points 28 in the second three. half. It was 28. Every no. single thing three had to go just right. And it did. Yeah. And, uh, again, we've already mentioned it. I, I'm tired of the bitching. Those are the rules. That's the way it goes. They did it. And um, and their defense didn't. And, and, and the other great thing is, we were hearing about how great their defense was the whole week. The well, and, here, and here's the thing. If anything in that, we're talking the Chiefs-Bills game. If anything in that game, the Bills' defense wasn't that hot. We scored all over them. The concerning thing was that our defense wasn't hot enough once Tyron Matthew went out to not let them do the same fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, our offense has all the fucking weapons to do whatever they want. Whatever they want. You know, and we sh- we showed that in the game against uh, who we played before the... Um, well, it was Cincinnati. No, 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 no. Before, before we played the Bills, we played... Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Right? Then playoffs? Yeah. And it wasn't that... We just Pittsburgh has a decent defense, right? And they did good. They eliminated Tyreek Hill. They eliminated Travis Kelsey. So what did Mahomes do? What did the off What did the offense set up for? Well, Kelsey start- and Hill played the bait. You had Pringle, McKinnon, Hardman, and uh, Williams back for that game. And they just all got do it, better. Do- they got a lot better. Fucking McKinnon was a monster. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So go ahead, go ahead, figure that game plan out. It's easy, it's like our biggest issue on Sunday. Who's gonna cover Jamal Chase? Because it can't be Ward, he can't play him. Yeah, but I, were you, is the Honey Badger gonna be back? He's yes. just going through uh, protocol, but anyway. Honey Badger's back. I think it'll all be fine, believe me, they'll have a plan for him. Oh, but we I win. Just I'm don't not think worried we, about that, I just but. don't think they have the depth. Um, and I thought there was a little magic with Cincinnati. I think they're a great team. I think that quarterback is great. But here's my thing that I finally saw, and I told Groom, my friend who were watching the game, I said, this is what I see happening in this game, and I thought it was pivotal, is Hill has been – has he caught some balls yet? But has he had anything? He's been, been kind of quiet for three or four games. And I said, Hill is going to have his moment. I, I'm just feeling it. How many receivers you ever seen against the best defense in the NFL catch a ball and roll right through them? Not, I'm talking roll well, right through them also and then helps. go bye-bye. Oh, and wave at him? Yeah. Wave at him, and he's still you, 10 yards out. Did you see? And they had the angles on him. Did you see in the Steelers game when he when he, when he he took that 60 or whatever touchdown, he grabbed the pom-poms, and he was dancing? Yeah, that cost he him 13, fired, grand. Like 13 grand. 13 grand for the pom-pom gig. Yeah, that's Six and a half a pom-pom. Six and a half a pom-pom. Yeah, probably the Chiefs paid that for him. For the hell, that was, that was great. I'm not a big pomp guy, but... I was excited. I thought it was kind of funny. But I thought that was hilarious. You got to have a little entertainment in the game. It can't be all serious. Well, it all pumps. It time. pumps everything up, right? Like it, it, it changes the vibe when you do that. You know, if you're just Malico the entire time, if you're scoring points and you're Brady all like, mm, yeah, right. Or Andy Reid all day, just mm, that mustache. Good game. Good time. Right. But did you hear what he said? Did you hear the interview where he said, well, what did you say to um, Mahomes when he was going out in that thir- 13 seconds? And, the grim and he says, coming. when it's grim, bring the, the grim, grim reaper. reaper. Yeah. And I'm like, that was man, it seems canned. I'm like, you didn't good. say that. You just made that up. I, know. You just made I that was up. thinking the same thing. <laughs> I said, man, that was good for TV for sure. But anyway, one of the best freaking weekends of football. Uh, it, it just was amazing. So yeah, that really was looking crazy forward to this football shit. And that, sure. that game, that game goes down. We were saying this before we started recording. In my football memory, like games I can put on display. Another game like that was the New Orleans Saints and the New York Giants in like twelve, when the Saints won sixty-one fifty-eight. Like they, Eli Manning and Drew Brees threw for over five hundred yards. Six touchdowns, etc. Right? That's another one of those games. But this game had implications. Right? This game, this was win or go home. Right? That was a season game. Right? That game, that confidence, that heat, the Chiefs are rolling on. Fucking Cincinnati better better match it. You you better be there for it because they're not going to calm down. And AFC Championship at home at Arrowhead in Kansas City and fifty degree day. No fucking way. Fifty degree no day. Are you way. telling me that they won't be cooking up a storm in the parking lot? Oh hell yeah. And something else. I mean, I think that game was special because Buffalo wants it so bad. That city wants it. Um, there are another tailgate. What do they call it? The Buffalo uh, Buffalo Mafia, Buffalo or whatever. Mafia, yeah. And um, they got a ways to go. So hey, no, I'm, I'm I'm not saying right now. I, I'm saying I'm calling it right now. It's Chiefs Rams Super Bowl. 
And I think Chiefs win 34-28. That's why I'm saying Super Bowl, okay? But next year, the next five years with Josh Allen and that team, you better fucking bet they win at least one. They're going to. That team's got They got yeah. little knickknacks, you know, whatever, maybe. Or maybe just shit didn't go their way. They're going to win at least one. Josh Allen will have a Super Bowl. But Mahomes will have two this year. I still am pondering the um, the Niners Rams thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I think the I think the Rams are too fast. They move too fast. I'm not even saying like yes, you have Beckham and shit like that, and you've and you've got um, Von Miller. Well, Von and no, what's uh oh my God, the top receiver in the league. What's his name for the Rams? Um, Beckham. No, no. Uh, oh, my God. I don't know. What is his name? Anyway, as much as we touted uh, the winners, what about the losers, man? I was just so... Well, I so had you do know, Green Bay. You do know that the Chiefs-Bills game was the only game all weekend to not end by a game-winning field goal in closing seconds of the game. Yeah. Only game. I just was so impressed, and I, and I, I actually, Travis, if you're listening, sorry, buddy. There's going to be no betting on the Super Bowl for uh, your your guy. Um, Travis who? Our man Travis. Travis who? Really? He says, oh, yeah, uh, it'll be Packers, Chiefs, and we'll bet on it because it'll be Oh, Packers. dude, he's such a Chief Dave writer. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, dude, come on. I'm like, I, I think he's good. I think I think they're going to do good, but keep around. I mean, they did nothing in three, uh, the, last, in the last two games. I don't really don't know what the hell happened. It was crazy. I mean, how the hell do you have... A number one seed come in, and that's the only points they can put on the board. I just couldn't believe it. And listen, I'm not a avid, like, every guy I know his name. I know the statistics. I know all that shit. I don't. But I really expected more out of Green Bay than that. I mean, I don't know. It was like punt, three and out punt, three and out punt, three and out punt. And even at that, they were still in the damn game. Um, I don't know. Crazy. And then, um, I, I don't know, it, it was crazy, crazy weekend. And then Tampa Bay, out of it, out of it, out of it, out of it. And then all of a sudden, they kept letting them back in. They keep letting them back in. And then they fall short. It was crazy. And now we have the, the Rodgers and Brady. Are they coming back? Hell yeah, they're coming back in my opinion. They're going to both be back. Their best opportunities are still to come back next year to do something. After that, I don't think they have as many opportunities as many opportunities to do something as they will next year. So I think they'll both be back. But anyway, I am really looking forward to this Sunday. I think it's two good matchups. Um, not so happy it's in SoFi and the Rams are in it because, of course, we hate Cranky here in St. Louis. And um, Mark walked away, but when he comes back, I want to talk about the writers that were out there, and I can't remember where they were from, maybe the Washington Post, or somebody out in L.A., or talking about the poor attendance from L.A. Like, the Niners were just like 75% more than the Rams. And, and the quote was kind of like, well, what do you expect? 
um, pulling them out of a Bush League city. Um, I don't know what the exact deal was, but they kind of slammed St. Louis for bringing this team and bringing it to L.A. And I'm like, man, I don't know. We won a Super Bowl here. You've only the Rams only won one in L.A. I, I don't know what what you're thinking that. St. Louis fans are as good, if not the best, of anywhere in the country. I don't know why he would do that. And now they're trying to somehow drag St. Louis in to them having bad attendance. I mean, that's on you. You got the multi-billion dollar stadium. I don't know how the hell they pull that shit off on the air, saying that shit about St. Louis. I don't know. It doesn't bode well for them. I think the team has got a pretty good product, and I think they're doing good, but nobody wants to show up. I don't think that's on St. Louis. But when Mark gets back, we'll ask him about it. So what I was telling everybody and talking about was another thing that I heard about this, the Rams' um, attendance in L.A. There was a quote by one of the writers saying, well, what do you expect? We've still got downfall from the Rams coming out of such a poor and dismal uh, fan. Dude, but wasn't wasn't the thing place in St. Out of St. Louis, Louis was never fan that the product, the Rams product in St. Louis dismal, and now it goes out there, and now it's good, but the fans can't get over or what a shithole St. Louis everybody found out what a fucking asshole Cronky was. Maybe that. Maybe that's what it was. Well, how does any fan who loves football in the NFL can concede to somebody like Kroenke stealing the Rams, a national championship team, Super Bowl team, and then you demoralizing and not doing anything for that team for years? So, you know the funniest thing that I saw about that? So, the Rams won the Super Bowl in 01? 2000. Uh, I think it was 99... To 2000? 1 2? I just saw the Warner movie, guys. The 1 2 or 1? I think it was 99 to 2001. So they won two Super Bowls? No, but I'm just saying the season, right? Because Super Bowl. So 99 to 2000. Yeah, okay. So they won the Super Bowl in. Wait a minute, it's 2000, right? 2000. 99 to 2000. Yeah, because 2001 was Tampa Bay and. No. 2002 was Tampa Bay and. 2001. Okay. 2020. When, when was the Raiders Buccaneers championship game? Because that they won the year before that. I'm just saying that St. Louis was in the Super Bowl two years. Mm-hmm. 20 and 21 against the Patriots, and we lost on a field goal, and we all know about him. Right, right, right. Okay. Cheating so, and videotaping example, okay. all our shit. The New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Okay, Sean Payton just left the team. Uh, after what 15 years they won their Super Bowl in 2008 I don't know 11 we no, have eight. to look it up because it sure. was it was more more than 10 more than 10 years okay so New Orleans Saints have always had a good fan base the Rams have always had a good fan base I still talk to people every day that they're Los Angeles Rams fans because they've been Rams fans since they came to St. Louis you know, former former season ticket holders. They're like, I'm a Rams guy. You know, it is what it is. I get it. Cool. But also, things that I've learned from talking to those people is they're like, dude, games never had an attendance problem. Never. You know, they're like, there were 
20,000 plus people there. We've had a product problem from the ownership. Or maybe 20, maybe 20,000. I don't know the stadium. Or maybe that's right. That could be right. I don't know. When Georgia Shit, there Frontier was, had there that, was 12, the that. what were we getting in Battle Hawks games? Seven to 12 Well, we were people? about ready to sell it out um, before COVID hit. That game, yeah. Game down. Yeah. Because we were at the home game where they, uh, where they were actually stopping people at that had bought tickets because the entire lower dome had sold out right and they didn't have the staff to open the upper dome right yeah you know it's not st louis is a, and i get really tired of hearing this shit. i'm even from st louis st louis might be a baseball town okay but they're just as much a fucking hockey town <coughs> they're just as much a football town and let me tell you something they might be a bigger fucking soccer town that's with this $100 million plus stadium, there, or, or probably more than that, this well, European grace. Oh, now. dude, have you seen the stadium? Yeah, I've been down there. You want to see the best way to see it? Go to go to Union Station, get up in that Ferris wheel, and when it pauses at the top, you look right down inside of it. Oh, I thought there was like some online drone pictures of the whole thing, but... No, you got to go in the loop-de-loop. All right. I haven't been on that thing. A little slow for me, but... It's dope. Maybe. I love it. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. cool. But, you know, I th- yeah, I think that's 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 stupid. Is it... Are we on there long enough to do a podcast? No. No, you can't smoke in it. It's like 17 minutes. Yeah, okay. Crafton Puro in St. Louis on the news, smoking in the... Trying to do a podcast. Arrested. Getting arrested. They got the, and, you know, they got the fucking drug dogs out smelling our fucking Kevlar case and shit. Yeah, why not? No, we do. Yeah, we don't need to be on the map like that yet. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, yeah I think funny. that's crazy. Now, the funniest thing is, is the other thing I'm hearing from all the former Rams fans is they want the Rams to lose so bad against the 49ers. So Cronky's hosting the Super Bowl at his stadium without his team. To. I'd love it too. So I have to tell you, when you said Rams in there, I, I, I have to tell you, I'm rooting, I, I'm rooting for 49 I'm rooting for the Niners too. Absolutely. But I just, if you're talking football, right? Like, I think the I think the Chiefs make a statement against the Bengals because that game should not have been lost three weeks ago. Okay, those were personal mistakes and laps of covers that lost that game, right? The Niners are going to go out and play, but I think the Rams did fire too fast, right? But if but that's also good for the, the Niners. If you'll play, if you'll play the slot, if you'll play the zone, if you'll play a spy, Stafford likes to get rid of the ball, and it's not always in a good location. Get under it, and then I, if the Niners win, they win on returns. Not only that, but we made some mistakes against Buffalo. A lot. Oh my god. We made 28 points worth of fucking mistakes. First of all, nobody wants to talk about the four points. We missed a field goal. We missed an extra point. We left four points on the table. And I was screaming about that the whole fucking deal. And then this guy, I don't I remember what receiver for Buffalo goes down, does a little juke, and our freaking uh DB, I don't know which one. He falls. Yep, trips himself. Wide open. Boom. Is that a mistake? Hell yeah. But that happens in these games. I get it. But uh, even the Chiefs, I thought they played a pretty damn solid game, but they still can get better. So They can. I'm hoping Cincinnati is a better game, and, and they can have a little retribution against that game against Cincinnati. And well, I think this they, is the way I always hoped it They would go. dialed that game in, man. I mean, and, and the, the, I think the hardest thing for Cincinnati, and then we'll get off sports, I promise, but... Cincinnati better not come into this game thinking they can ride Jamal Chase like they did last time. No. 
because yes, is as much as I hate Steve Spagnuolo, I think he's the worst fucking head coach ever, and he's the worst damn defensive coach ever. Even he's smart enough that he's going to play it differently, right? But the Chiefs are so stacked, they don't have to accolade too much talent to change that thing. They just have to show the options there for the talent to be accolade. Yeah. Right? Cincinnati doesn't have the offensive weapons that we do. You know, there's a reason that Jamal Chase won that game with three touchdowns and over 200 yards, right? If you eliminate that down to 100 yards and one touchdown, that's 14 points that you got to make up with talent you don't necessarily have or that obviously could not attack last night. I hear you. Anyway. I hear you talking. All right, man. All right, big chicken. Walks like a duck, acts like a duck. Well, it's a duck. So, what are we in? What are we in there? We're good. We're good. So, oh, why don't we introduce this next one? Now, dun, 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 for you guys have been listening, listening to us forever. Is that fresh? Um, no, it's oh. been open. And thank gosh, because I didn't have to open it. But, um, these are such, um, I don't want to say unicorn, but extremely hard to come They're by. unicorns, buddy. Um, a Midwinter's Night's Dram. Blend of straight rye whiskey, finished in French oak pork barrels, bottled by High West Distillery. And I've talked about my uh, relationship with High West, living in Park City for 10 years out in Utah and whatever. And uh, we've got some of these stacked away, but I was unable to get a hold of this one. And then at the last minute, uh, Cass told me he had one. And uh, so we've got it here today. And this is at nine, scene five. And it is right at about just a little 98.6 proof. But it is just some amazing juice. And I will say this too. Not only have these guys at High West really done a fabulous job, but these bottles are blown in Mexico. And I was, I, I might have said it on the last podcast, but these corks are fantastic. I mean, I've had a bottle down there. It was either 16 or 17. And uh, there was probably a quarter left. And it was as fantastic as the day I opened it, as the day that we finished it. So anyway, uh, without getting too nutty, we're going to uh, pour this and enjoy a little bit of this today. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of you guys and girls out there that are bourbon fans, you know what Midwinter's Night Dram is. And the thing that actually drew me to this whiskey is something about me. I'm a huge show guy. I love Broadway shows. I absolutely love them. And I am a pretty big Shakespeare fan. Like, I, I think Shakespeare is one of the best writers of all time. And so, A Midsummer's Night, we, we all know we all know the rendition of it. That's where the name Midwinter's Night Dram came from. It drew from, am I saying that right? Midsummer's Eve? Midsummer's Eve? Midsummer's Night? Midsummer's Nights. Midsummer's Nights, because Midwinter's Night Dram, I think it's Midsummer's... It's I, a blend of straight right. rye whiskeys. A Midwinter's Night's Dram. Act 9, scene 5. Uh, and oh yeah, sorry. So, so the w- the bottle is called Midwinter's Night Dram, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I met I messed it up just a little bit. The actual play by Shakespeare is a Midsummer's Night's Dream. So that's that's how they 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 changed that, and they use the act and scene references. Um, 
There used to be a story, I think the act and scene, or the scene and act or year and months, the way they're done together, the blends. Um, but I'll tell you right now, this is one of those whiskeys that have never missed. They've never missed. And this isn't wood, but hopefully they don't miss this time. So let's cheers this up. And let's see what, uh, we'll talk about the previous one of this. They don't miss. No, I mean, there's something about the way they blend the rye. It's like no other. Fuck, well, I, now Yippie Kaye is a little different too, but that's another. But it's com but it's completely yeah, different. Yeah, it's completely different. So it's yeah. the thing about that always like. So put it this way: I got my first bottle of uh, Midwinter Heights Tram before I knew it was a High West product. I didn't know. It. I know I did. It wasn't until I was drinking it. We had it on the very first podcast. I'm like, oh yeah, I have that. And you're like, well, this is what this is what comes after Yippie Kaye. And I was like. Oh, like I did. I did not know that, right? And uh, but it is it is easily the the pinnacle. Um, every every year, uh, it's it's so freaking hard to find. Um, and anytime you find it, unless you happen to be chilling at a bourbon event where you can get it for hundred bucks, you're not getting it at that fucking price, man. It it is. I've actually this is another bottle that I've personally seen dip away you know like I, you used to see this at a lot more um higher end restaurants by the port like it was there you could do it even now you're not seeing it much anymore i never see it on anybody's shelf dude we drank what two of these up in weston in weston missouri yeah at the irish place we had the 19 yeah well the other thing that's happened over the years too we talk about allocation and you talked about social media uh, bringing bourbon into the forefront. Restaurants and eating has become such a, um, um, and I don't know if it's because of the age right now that we're going through in America, where we are, but restaurants are such a huge thing that every great restaurant's got to have great bourbon, great well, scotch, and I great think cocktails. That's, that's just like, let's tie that into cigars real quick, right? So I had, we, you and I had this conversation. We were talking about this. I think we did it on a podcast. Maybe we were just going on about it. If we did, I'm sorry for beating myself. It's much like now when you're an experienced cigar smoker, okay? Remember when... We could even go as early as, let's start with me, right? We did this. So four years ago, I got into bourbon when we met, right? Six-year Heaven Hill, I went looking for it everywhere, right? Then I'd call you, I'm like, hey, how about this, this, this? Cool bottom, right? Now, that same thing has exploded, but it's always been that way in cigars. Now, the difference is in cigars is you have very large companies coming out that are working with the top dogs in the industry producing amazing cigars. And much like you said, Tatuaje here in Missouri, we are spoiled on it, right? Tatuaje is fantastic. We know that. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. You went into Florida, you were in the wrong spot of Florida to get Tatuaje because Florida is actually the number two dealer in the world next to Germany in Tatuaje products. Me right? 
you're saying they sell. Yes. That's the number one monstrous. state for monsters. That well, California. I must just have been in the wrong. Now, is but, it over on the Miami side? No, I, I don't know, but yeah. that is my butt, right? Yeah. So you go into a place like Kentucky and you try and find all the bottles you're looking for. You're probably not finding them. If you do, they're overpriced as hell, right? You drive across the river into Indiana, you're going to find bottles you didn't know existed. They're not too expensive. And guess where they're coming from? They're coming from these same big name producers and all the shit like that, right? So what's happened is, and we can tie it back into the social media and everything. Everyone no longer starts out as a beginner. Like you don't, you don't come in knowing nothing. Man, you can spend ten minutes on Half Wheel. You can spend ten minutes with a YouTube channel, or find someone on Instagram or Facebook, or join a Facebook group. You can spend ten minutes, and you will know what took me five years in brands and tobacco to know in five, ten, fifteen minutes. It's easy. You won't know. You don't you know details and shit like that. But recognition, you know, who's popular, what's 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 famous right now, what's being looked after right now, and as soon as you find them, well, then what happens is, so you find it, and then you give some to this person, they give you a bunch of these. Bartering comes into play. You start trading stuff off. Your knowledge gets bigger, gets bigger, gets bigger. Now do that between two people times about a hundred fucking thousand. Right? That's altering the market in every way. There's nothing you can do about it. And so like you say, every restaurant now, right? <laughs> Winty's, where we're sitting at. Right? When we were at Kraft, we were drinking Borai by the bottle at $8 a pour. Right? Local, local little place, but sold enough of something that they were allocated a bottle. Yeah. Right? It's bourbon and cigars. I think happened to and, and scotch too. Let's and tequila. Let's not take tequila. Fucking vodka and gin, spirits, wine and tobacco. So I think I didn't say if I said this in the last episode or the episode before. In 2009, the average age of the cigar smoker was 35 to 50. Now the average age is 24 to 40. Right? You've added what nine years to the youngest point of your your your. Uh, premium cigar smoker. And you're probably adding some female. Uh, oh, well, I think, I think the, the female additive. That's always, that's always hard well. to skew, right? But I think on the, the large publication standard, I think 30% of smokers now are female in, in cigars. That's fucking In cigars. Huge. That's insane. Because I probably mentioned on the last thing, I remember, maybe it was 10 years ago, probably even longer, when uh, Shafley started, they were the first that I remember doing uh, craft beers. And Shafley started its thing, and then you had you had Shafley, and then you had uh, yeah, you drank Sam Adams in England and shit. That's all. Okay, now hold on. There in St. Louis, let's just talk about that. There's four hands. There's but twenty later. Twenty six microbreweries in St. Louis. Chestnut brewery. Urban Chestnut. Probably Shafley Chestnut. Four hands. hands. Square one. Perennial. But those initial three 
over the last 10 years have just become huge. And then, not to mention all the the smaller ones around this town that are amazing. I thought one of the number one micro, they call it micro brews, was in Maplewood here in St. Louis. Maplewood Brew? They gave yeah. a hand to them that it was just one of the best they tasted. Yeah, they, they took off. They make, some, they make some really good beer, actually. That they started make, at less than half a percent of the market. And now, all the big boys have to realize how fast that can happen. Well, as well and that's, as and that's, that's and, and see, and that's how we can tie it into all that with changing, right? You no longer can just have a Corona, a Robusto, a Churchill, a Torpedo, and a Toro in a Connecticut and a Maduro, right? So then you saw Sun Grown Wrapper coming into play. The Broadleaf got real hip after the Opus blends, right, with Colito Fuente. Uh, now you start seeing Rosado wrappers, or you start seeing aged wrappers on top of things, right? You, and, and, and much much like this, right? Now, I will promise you guys, as Craft Imperial, you will not see ever, and I mean this, I'll never do it, don't care how big we get, you will never see a product line we have that's got four or five different sizes. Move on. If a new size comes out, it'll be a new blend, it'll be a new project, it'll be new this, but, there's been, there's been, even even for us, as small as we are, the growth initiative has been there, right? We got the Super Toro at our two-year anniversary event that was a complete fuck-up by our rollers. They just, for whatever reason, they were all high that day and their links were wrong, right? Well, that cigar got handed out after everybody was smoking our product and they were like, oh my God, we want it. Well, guess what? It's going into production. That will be the only, only, Exception of the Cyclops, because they're our first two cigars. We're going to do two sizes in each of those cigars, right? And that only came, that was never planned. That was never an idea. We were looking at a new thing, something else, right? We're talking to Lancero, a little, little box, you know? Plans with Luciano in the future and stuff. Like, we were looking at that, and just on our little community, right? We are, what, 40 miles wide? 26 from You're Grand Crew from Grand Crew to Lit. Yeah, yeah. Stanley's to Lit. Not even that. 18 miles, maybe. Probably within well, 20 mile table, range. A and P, 21 miles, right? Yeah. A P. So, from right there, that itty bitty little demand, and I shouldn't even say demand, appreciation and excitement over a cigar that. We, we knew it. I, I thought it tasted better. We really liked it, but I, I thought it was going to be too big and bold for that blend. Well, it was, boom, it was fantastic. Everybody wanted it, right? Now, take that for us at a 21 top mile spread to companies that are global, right? The distribution. You can't make enough for everybody to have it. That's where the allocation key comes into play. Yeah. Now, it gets murdered on the whiskey side, way, way more than the cigar side, right? Because cigar owners, like brand owners, they'll work with you, you know? Sometimes you got an amount of money spent to achieve, right? Which you can't blame them. And other times it's like, well, hey, why don't we try one box before I give you 10 when I know this person can do 10, right? And maybe you sell through it in a day and you reorder and then, well, you get on that spot, right? With bourbon, it's so different because there are solidified markets, right? And some of those markets are gonna do way better, okay? But where the dirty, greedy gold is always gonna be king side in the bourbon and scotch and whiskey era, 
if you've got the money, they'll give it to you. Yeah. They'll give it to you. You know, like I'm, I'm, we're not naive. I think it's, it's completely honest. If we walked up and we went to MGP to do a barrel pick, right? Or we went down to still 630 to do a barrel pick and we put a match together and we're like, that's the one we want. And someone walked in behind us with 10 times what we paid. We're not getting that pick. Right. And you can't be mad about that. That's, that's business, dude. You know, you have, you have to accept that. You have to roll with that, you know? I've, I've, I've joked to you before. If someone walked up right now, it's going to be 100000 for Craft and Crew. I think we probably shook our heads yes and just start from scratch. Why not? Oh, no. You can't have the name. You can have the blends. I can't wait till it happens so yeah. we can make that decision. <laughs> yeah, have like three good nights yeah. in Vegas. It'd be great. <laughs> or one afternoon at a damn uh, pool party, which is crazy. Yeah, anyway, there's that too. Yeah. Well, that'll never fucking happen. But uh, I'm not saying I'm way to be a fucking Debbie Downer, bro. No, I'm saying the pool party will never happen. happen. I'm not gonna blow our our. uh, You spend you spend five more goods on something like that. It would be spent on going to the next level. But I don't know. Anyway, when we get there, we'll decide about that. But anyway, um, I'm right down to the label, man. I'm getting ready to pop my label, and this has been a fantastic cigar. So. How do you think it compares? So, it is Clyde Maze. Yeah. These are two very distinctly different whiskeys. Yes. Okay? There's no argument there. Uh, did you say the Midwinters is more rye? Yes. Okay. Obviously, the body on the Clyde Maze was much bolder. Yes. Okay. One thing I've always loved about Midwinters is it is clean, it is mild but it has more of a retro effect of its body. Like it hangs around. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's kind so of my short are you ball asking line. me what, what do I think was the better fit? As well, between as, between the two, how are you feeling on the whiskey? Well, I really felt like uh, initially, and you know what? I just kind of go, I don't try to overthink this shit too much, but I thought Clyde and um, the Diaz they were kind of a lot alike. They were, they blended really well together. Uh, I thought they were a lot of the same. It was like, um, this kind of hits you, it stays in there. This was good. Um, differentiality, I, I thought um, the dram was much different. Um, I don't know. It's it's a hard one for me right now. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, we got time. Don't don't drown it out. Yeah. I just I think that uh, I don't want to count them off yet. We'll do that. At the the end, Clyde is this is just something a little different for me. I don't know. I don't. I really don't even know how to put exactly it. Exactly. I was gonna say it, it's, it's it's very it's it's confusing to me. That's what I kind of liked about it. The Clyde, I mean, and I'm gonna go back to the Clyde after the Midwinters because I want to get the sweetness right. Because Midwinters Ice Dream, it's always. It's always been to me, it's always been like a snow cone. That's how I've called it, right? Now, it's not like it's frozen or anything like that. I don't mean that, but it's, even in a lukewarm environment, the whiskey's always seemed mellow, like more chill than it is warm. And there's always unique sweetnesses that come to it, right? First drink on that, oh my God, citrus, honey, good, awesome, love it. It's just, it's just good, but that climb maze, that thing, that bottle alone reminds me of 
it's like it starts one way, like a, a bottle that you've had over and over and you just can't put a name to the image in your head, and it finishes like another one you've had over and over and you just can't put it in your head. It's memorable. And, but in a pairing, you know, what have we said about pairings? I mean, you know, you're, tell me what you typically say about a pairing because well, I so, felt like this kind of mimicked what we were tasting and feeling right. in the Diaz too. Obviously, this is a loose rule, but what I've always said to people is if you're going to pair something, especially when it comes to a liquid to smoke ratio, okay? Food, and it's 100% different, okay? Anyone in food can tell you that. And Joe and I talked about it on the podcast. When it comes to cigars and spirits, if you're smoking something that is very full-bodied, very spicy, do not pair it with a very high-proof, warm spirit, right? Liquid will always be more dense than smoke. It's always going to hang on more. It's going to wash the smoke away. Now, I don't mean by doing that, drink water or white wine, right? Now, white wine can be very good with certain cigars. But if you still want to have a whiskey, bring the proof down or leave the, the proof can be 120. But one of the prime examples is Litz Rebel Yell Pick. 120 proof and it is sweet like candy. It is sweet as can be. Cherry, honey, little bit of oak, and then the cigar delivers all the density and the spice on top of that. Fantastic, right? So that's my, that's my little loose rule, okay? If you're smoking a, a mild itty bitty Connecticut, if it's got a good, if you're doing a Oliva V Connecticut Reserve, it's got a real thick, heavy, creamy cedar smoke, throw some Stag Junior at it, right? Throw a throw a 115 proof Yellowstone. Throw a throw a a, 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 a Michter's American, right? Throw some of that spicy, heavy forward set in on that cedar and make some spice cedar bread. That's well, what I guess do. for me, if, if I'm gonna jump on the on the diving board right now and be on the end of it, I would say the Clyde Mays was a better pairing for the the Diaz because this Diaz, you you have this really nice kind of unique flavors that hit you. They come through your palate and whatever. And then you have this cigar that you're smoking. And then if you're doing what we do, you're smoking it and enjoying it. And then you're retrohaling that botanical blow that comes through your nose. I think it was a nice compliment to it, and it was really good. The the rye is a different, is so different, and blended so well. Um, it's good, but it's just maybe for me a little too different. I think I like the Clyde Mays a little bit different. Yeah, this is so. I would, I would say the opposite, but I'm going to agree with what you're saying. If you're looking, this is one of those weird times where it's pairing, it's like, like this pairing. takes on a certain thing, and then I have this, and I'm smoking it, and then I retrohale, and then it's like, boom, fantastic, boom, and then, boom, you retrohale, and then it brings it to a, a, another level, and, and for a better word, your botanicals in this thing that comes out, then this, um, you have this rye, which is some of the best rye blend. But yet that rye blend is so smooth. It's not like the Yippie Kaye. The Yippie Kaye is like a fucking explosion. 
almost like uh, you know, and they've got the big brucking bonk, uh, brucking, bucking bronco, bronco. I always say it's like a fucking circus in the mouth. I mean, it's just it's Jimmy. So many flavors that explode. Um, A little different for this. This is just really. it, I think it complements the end of that Clyde makes. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm gonna agree, but disagree at the same time, and or maybe agree and go neutral, right? So oh, we occasionally, disagree. occasionally we get these solid pairings, right? Like if you want to hit 50-50 on something, I think the sweetness, and I don't really get a rye spice out of Midwinters on this one, uh, but the sweetness and the boldness of it when it hits the Mildias. And they says Cogitos, it gives off a like Hawaiian roll, like buttered bread. I wouldn't shoot this and that. One it is, this is a if you had this on a, if you had this on a bar, you had this at home and this box of cigars, and you wanted to go 50-50 awesome fucking pairing all day, you go midwinters with the Escogitos and the Mildias, right? Now, the Clyde Maze is the better pairing. Because the contradictions between the two of them, the body on that thing is insane. Right, but those botanicals, those I, I call I, call, I say botanicals. I like I'm talking flowers I like and I like it. You know, like if you've ever been, you know, Shaw's Nature Reserve in in St. Louis, would be the best way I can say. It. Or the botanical gardens. You're walking through and you can smell the smoke from the fires, and you've got all the wind blowing through the bushes and shit. That kind of smell, that that woody kind of feel, bounces onto all of the. Subtle sweetness in the Mildias, the almost like fried pineapple and shortbread and weird shit that you get. Fried pineapple on a Moscow mule, nuts, dude. But so better pairing, better pairing. Like if if you're doing the contrast, and I like to talk about that, I've done over and over and help you with the Clyde Maze and the cigar. Now, if you want one of those knockouts, this Midwinter's gets the cigar is insane, man. I'm not gonna argue it. I can't. I mean, I would like to probably just not thinking much about it in that, but the Fiat with that uh, Winter's Tram might be fucking pretty sweet. Mm. That might be pretty fucking good. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty fucking gnarly. Not gonna lie. Um, hey, so I wanted to loft something up to you that I read the other day. Uh, I got it from Half Wheel. Um, so Colorado is trying to put. Uh, they're voting on legislation to ban tobacco products that initiate flavors so basically all in all let me make sure I read this right before I butcher this Um, all in all they are stating that any tobacco derogative that creates a known or stated flavor should be banned so what that does is that doesn't just take away from infusions, acid, Tatiana, etc., moon trance, CAO, all that. It doesn't pull away from that. It means that if I'm assuming, I'm assuming that this means the legislation is smoking the cigars, and they all agree that one cigar emits a cabbage flavor, well, then that can cigar you, can't come into the market. Can you bring it into a few sentences why this is such a big deal? No, oh, here it is, right here. Colorado legislation to debate ban on flavored tobacco. House Bill 1064 is introduced on January 14th by reps, etc. Don't care. 
It seeks to prohibit the sale, distribution, advertising, and marketing of flavored tobacco products, including cigars, as well as e-cigarettes, and products contain synthetic nicotine. Uh, this would mean that such products would only be allowed to impart the taste or smell of tobacco. Prohibiting flavors, here's the part, including menthol, fruit, mint, alcohol, candy, chocolate, vanilla, honey, or others. Okay? So. It just seems for me. What was your question? More, what, what I'm saying is, I'd like for you to articulate why this is a problem for the cigar industry. It's not. And not a, a problem for the vape. Key, key thing that you heard. cigarette in industry. That key thing you heard in that bill I just said was tobacco, e-cigarettes, vape, or synthetic tobacco. Okay? The problem is not the term they led with. It's not premium cigars. Okay? Because the argument can be had all day. I tell people this all the time. Hey, what's the first thing I'm going to taste in that cigar? Tobacco. Because it's only tobacco, right? When you get into vape, cigarettes, synthetic nicotine, the fact that that's even allowed is, is insane to me, right? Look, nicotine is good for your body. It's good for your heart well, and good for your mind. That's why they get away with it, right? Well, well yeah, because it's... Well, in, in those... Now, I'm not a, a genealogist or a scientist or anything like that, but synthetic means that it's been built, right? So you would think that if the FDA... And I don't, I'm not saying the FDA did this. I'm using that as a reference point. If the FDA created a synthetic nicotine, well, it would have all the benefits of nicotine with all the bad stuff gone, Right? But the problem is, do you know why everyone in the world is not a fucking cigar smoker? Because nicotine, when it's blended with other vapors, with other chemicals, becomes the additive. It becomes the addictiveness, right? Dude, you can smoke cigars for 80 years and just decide you're done and never want a cigar again. Maybe you have an oral fixation for it, right? Maybe this, this movement has become natural to you. But it's not a it's not a genetic, it's not a body needed yeah. adaptation. You don't need it. Right? Whereas give me someone that smokes cigarettes for sixty years and let them tell me that it was as easy as throwing a pack of cigarettes a day, cigarettes away one day and they were just off them. They lived happily ever after. No. You know? That's that's how I think that shit's crazy. And and, and people trying to dive that deep. So you're telling me that if if because you can't tell me all those guys, all these guys in government don't smoke cigars, okay? They, yes, they do. All right, especially if you're up in your 50s or 60s, okay? Still, some people in this country think that cigars are an old rich white man's game, okay? Which is 100% fucking bullshit. All right, I know more people that make $30,000 a year that smoke cigars than I know that make 1.5 million a year that smoke cigars. Okay, so. You can't run that line. But if you're saying that you and I get pulled for a board and we're smoking a La Florida Manicano DL 200, right? The Double Digger 200, right? We light that up. Come on, ladies. Come on. Oh, you're fine. So we light that up and that thing tastes like milk chocolate. And we say that, right? Does that mean those cigars can't be sold anymore? It's ridiculous. Why? Because a nuance laid in and we think it tastes like a fucking Hershey bar? So you can't sell it anymore? Or does that mean that 17 year olds are gonna grab a six by 52 cigar, cut it and spend the hour and 40 minutes to take smoke it and smoke it? I think it's all right at the vape industry and the e-cigarette industry, don't you? Dude, I'll tell you what, when a doctor tells me that a cigar will kill you, I'll start believing it, okay? 
But I personally have known guys that have triple bypasses, have stints in their hearts, that their doctors give them the okay to smoke cigars. You know what I'm saying? If you brush your teeth every night and you're not a fucking degenerate, you can smoke six, seven cigars a day and you'll be just fine. You know? Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, everything, as long as I ever remember, you know, within uh, reason. Uh, but, I mean, if you're smoking a product that you bring in your mouth, and you blow it out. I, mean, <laughs> I think you're doing okay. Well, I am gonna go take a little break and I will be right back. Go nuts, I'll talk to these yeah. guys. Then when you come back, yeah. we'll shut it down. Talk we'll have another you. smoke, we'll have some drinks. Yeah. All right, guys, yeah. So that's my rant on that, man. So we're finishing all these Mildias. They're rather put together. I'm gonna snake another pour of this uh, midwinters here because it is utterly fantastic. But, um, yeah, so we want to shout out to Lit Cigar Lounge. Um, last week we had the podcast with Joe from Joe Knows Cigars. Um, I'm still trying to work on the audio on that. It got a lot louder in there than I thought, which I am not mad about. I am so happy that the place blew up and uh, was a wine tasting night. I think I mentioned that during the podcast. It was fantastic. Um, I think we did really good moving some wine and stuff, which was awesome. Um, yeah, so we are we are currently setting up the quote-unquote home office for Craft & Bureau. Uh, there'll be a podcast coming out of there shortly. Um, shipping, everything, labeling, boxing, soon to come. Uh, we'll be doing all of that. We do have the Super Toro on the table. Um, we're just fighting the... Uh, label stuff right now which is a little a little annoying you know it's some of the biggest factors in this industry that I think that a lot of people kind of oversee you know I've always joked about being a label whore and I mean that on a bottle of whiskey wine cigars you'll draw my attention the marketing really works but man I have a newfound respect for what it takes to get to that level of that and I'm not saying that we're even trying to do that because we're not you guys know our black and white scheme our skulls and and kind of haunted, demented kind of aspect is always going to take place in our cigars. That's what we, we really like. We're fond of it, and that's what we want to do. Um, but just trying to finalize those things can be a real bitch, man. I mean, they're, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. The vibe's not fun. It, it, it can get political. It can get weird. It can get, you know, very monetarily driven, which, which sucks. But <clears throat> we're going to do it, man. It's going to be fun. So that is coming. The EV Kanaka. Uh, high Tide. Um, that's going to be our Lancero. That product is coming to the market. Um, we're probably looking at that coming in March or April. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm down in the last little bit of this Mil Dios, man. This Escogidos is easily one of the best cigars, sizes, shapes, blends thrown together in 21. And I like that a lot. So we're going to finish up on those. I'm going to let you guys listen to Stone Tribe real quick. Take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Stone Tribe on the Craft and Puro podcast. 
Download our brand new song, Island Time, and help us raise money for United Cerebral Palsy. 25% of our profits go to help families pay for desperately needed medical equipment and procedures. Connect with Stone Tribe at stonetribemusic.com for All right, guys, we're back. Is that yours? Yeah. Oh, okay, You're sorry. You're donezo. Yeah. What? I guess I guess Well, we're I moving am. into another smoke when we right. get done, but yeah. I just wanted to wait for you to take it out, man. So the Mil Diaz, um, fantastic smoke, man. We can't argue that at all. Um, this size, fantastic. Will always be, you know, one of our go-tos from here on out. So, so what do we uh, what do we got going here? We see. we're done. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna say goodbye. We're gonna kick out, have another smoke, some drinks. Um, what are you feeling? Yeah, let's do it. I let's mean, we only had a three-hour. Yeah, we did. Still, still trying to work that thing. Is it three hours? Two hours and forty-eight minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. No break. No nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and not to mention, it's like God. It started out at five, even though we're in this tent. It is pretty damn cold, but we had a couple. We had a fantastic cigar and a couple good bourbons to keep us warm and giddy up. But um, I guess we'll just finish this one up and. Uh, do a little giddy up and get on with our day. Oh shit! Yeah, do your little goodbye. Sign well, it out, and I'll cash us out. And as always, as I always say, thank you guys for listening. In. I think it's going to be a great spring and summer. It looks like things are uh, calming down a little bit, at least here in Missouri. And uh, hopefully that'll that trend will continue, and uh, we'll be able to have a fantastic spring and summer. So as always, man, thanks for listening for the Bourbon Cowboy. As always, man, giddy up. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, I agree 100%. Mahalo from the Viking, guys. We'll see you next week. And uh, thank you so much. Be sure to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash craftandcurl. We've got some cool giveaways coming soon. Much more activity on that coming to fruition as well. So we'll see everyone there. You guys be easy. We'll see you later. Cheers. Adios.